Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Friday, April 16th, 2021, episode number 181. Yeah, man. <laughs> they just keep getting funnier now that I know it's a thing and you're really trying to think about things to say first. So, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, 181. Yeah, man. 181. What's uh, up, man? So What's much. Up, Carter? Nothing. All the things. Nothing at all. Everything. Nice shirt. Ditto. Oh, you like this shirt? Yeah. It's the yeah. shirt. It's the shirt. It's my new favorite number one. It is the new shirt. So I love it. It's, so uh, for the people that yeah. the, the people that are listening into the weekly podcast that are not patrons and cannot see it, it's a shirt. It's got the top 10 winningest riders in AFT history. And it's just simple. It's Parker, Carr, Meese, Springsteen, Graham, Coolbeth, Schobert, Roberts, Smith, and Davis. Some some folks that are no longer with us. Some folks that will never race again. Yeah. Uh, because they're retired. And there's some folks on there that are still racing. I like and it. And that could change. It could, could change. change. Well, let's talk about what could... Wait, Meese is pretty close to these two. Well, kind of. Kind of close. What's so, kind of? Parker... I don't think anybody's going to catch Parker. He's got 94. You're right. Carr has 78. Meese has 54. So Meese is 24 behind Carr. 24 is a lot. That's a lot, though, bro. But he's still got some races or some seasons left, I'm sure. I'm not not sure how much longer he's going to keep on doing it. Um, But if, if he... He can start winning races. Springer, Springer's got he, 43. An interesting note on Springer: he won his 43rd Grand National when he was 43 years old. And the re- reason I remember that because 43 is my favorite number. Why? I'm kidding. Uh, the guys in the middle, Springsteen, Graham, Coolbeth, Schobert, uh, and Roberts, uh, aren't going to be winning any races anytime soon. Um, Correct. Smith is well, on there. He's towards the end. Smith is actually tied with Roberts on my list with 33 apiece. So Smith could go in front of Roberts and maybe move up. Schobert has 34. So Smith could actually go and pass those two guys. Nice. Um, Will Davis has 31. So somebody that's not on the list is Henry Wiles. But that is the shirt is the riders in the premier class. Mm -hmm. So wiles did win a race last year in the apt singles class um i know it's a big debate right now on the winningest singles rider i know bert sent me some stuff yeah but uh it's for the premier class so wiles if he goes back to the premier class he has a chance to move up the leaderboard a little bit but who knows yeah still a cool shirt i'm still gonna rock the shirt even if it's not the right order anymore because i bought it when it was that's right. All right. There you go. Anyway. And if you want one, get a whole Stevie Addison uh, mm-hmm. at Stevie Addison on Instagram. I'm not sure what her Facebook handle is or her name. But I'm sure it's going to be easy to find. Uh, for you don't know, that Stevie Addison is Brian Smith's little sister. Stevie Smith is married to J.R. Addison. And she says she has shirts for sale. And she'll keep making them as long as people keep buying them. So if you want a shirt, get one while you can. Uh, it's history. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some other big news this week. Uh, we have a pretty famous motorcycle rider that's going to be joining in yep. Atlanta. It's official. It is official. Yeah. He is in the uh, on the entry list for the AFT singles class, and we're talking about Travis Pastrana. Mm-hmm. TP for that's the TT. Huge. That is huge. Yeah. Um, just for the eyeballs he's going to bring to our sport. Yep. The followers he has, the the social media presence he has is huge. And if he goes out there and does well, if he makes the main event, even more eyeballs. Yeah. Get him on TV. Get some interviews with him. 
uh maybe we'll uh, reach out to him see if we can have him on the podcast what do you think about that idea that'd be interesting we'd love to do that i uh the question i have and i think we should ask your dad this when we talk to him later uh what okay. do you think he's going to do at that tt given what you saw him do in daytona last time he tried some flat track well so he was a daytona on the tt on a hooligan bike yeah but a- back in the day but he was on a on a, a, a really track, weird motorcycle. Right? No, he, well, way back in the day, he was riding for Factory Suzuki. Back then, had Factory Suzuki help. That's kind of like when Varnes was on Factory Suzuki. We had him on last week. Um, we had a couple other people try the Factory Suzuki team. Travis Smith was one of the mechanics. Pastrana didn't make the cut. So back then, everybody's on a single cylinder bike. They had the top sixty would make it to the night show. Like 110, 120 people would show up. And Travis didn't make the cut to the night show, but that's way back. He probably didn't practice for it. He's a lot smarter rider now. He's probably got throttle control figured out. Um, but this track's going to have a lot more pavement. It's uh, it's going to be different. He'll mm. he'll excel on the infield part, like through the jump and through the right handers. We'll see how he does on the pavement. Um, I think he's been down there practicing. We saw him with Ryan Sipes down there at uh, Moto Anatomy. So we'll see. Check out this comment. <laughs> uh, Cynthia says, "Hopefully, better than anybody did at NASCAR." Ayo. That's awesome. Yeah, he uh, he did struggle when he tried the trucks, but he did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I mean, and he he'll admit it too. He did. Yeah, he he's the first one to admit it, and I, I think it just goes to show that it's not something anybody with racing talent can just jump in and do. It, it's 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 right. every type of racing is a different discipline with different challenges, and and I don't know. And I, seat time, seat time is huge. Yes, um, yeah. Has he just practiced that one time that we know of? I doubt it. I know yeah. Travis. He doesn't want to get last in anything. I bet he's practicing every day right now, uh, just to get on, just to get the feel for the tires, just to get the feel for a bike with that, you know, not much suspension. Uh, so jumping a 450 now compared to what you know a, a stock motocross bike or supercross bike is totally different. So he'll get it figured out. We'll see uh, how he does. Maybe he'll make the main event. Why do you think he's doing a 450 and not a twin? Just easier to ride. Absolutely. Uh, a twin's just a whole nother ball game, whole nother animal. Uh, 450, he's used to riding 450s. He's, you know, freestyled them. He's, he, that's what they ride now. So yeah. I don't think a twin would be a good move for him if he's going to try to compete at a higher level like Ryan Sipes does. Uh, Ryan Sipes came in and, and did well. So maybe he will do good. I mean, well, and I guess that's my, is a whole different animal. I guess that's a, my question. I guess he has the most realistic chance of making a main event on the 450, I guess. Because, some people are looking at this as a publicity stunt, like, right? Like, is he coming to do this as a, I, I think he really does want to learn flat track. And I think he, but is he going to compete for a, a whole season? I don't know. I mean, that would be crazy I, I, cool. I don't know either. Yeah. It would be. I, Ryan Villapoto has talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, some other, you know, McGrath's tried some flat track stuff out in Paris. Yeah. Um, people have, people try it. And Carter, I know from experience because I raced motocross first, the transition from motocross or supercross to, to flat track is huge. I mean, and it looks simple because you think all you're doing is turning left, you know, but, you know, now there's TT, more TTs and stuff like that. But just the feeling and the controlled slide that you're in when you slide into the corners is totally different than what you feel in motocross. Motocross, you are hooked up. Yeah. You know, you got those big knobby tires digging in the dirt. So it's just a different feel. Uh, I think. He's got a shot to to make the main. I don't think he's a, a contender for a win, yeah. but he could blow him. You know, he could he could do better than I'm expecting. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely look forward anytime this guy races anything or jumps anything. Even that yeah. FTR 750 that he was jumping, I was all hooked. No, that in. was like, nuts. And I'm on board any 
way, shape, or form to support Travis yep. Pastrana in anything. Yep. So um, I'm stoked to see him in Atlanta. I almost want to drive up to Atlanta for that one, but I don't think I'm going to make it there. But uh, I don't know. What? You're talking about driving and going places. I want to know what you're doing this weekend. I've heard rumors. <laughs> I've seen Sammy Saavedra's <laughs> posts and stuff like that. I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. I can tell you I won't be in Florida. I'm going to be flying up to Richmond. Um, I don't know what that means, uh, but I'm going to be up there checking that out. Uh, Sammy's going to announce, dude. Like, I can't miss that if that's going to happen. And I don't know. I'm, I'm missing missing racing right now you're going to motocross it's, races and getting nope, your fix nope. oh yeah i did last you week did yeah, last yeah, week. yeah 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 and yeah, sammy's yeah. going up and covering boonie bikes and shit like i'm just sitting down here training up my new employee on my new job i'm not seeing any racing so i gotta get out and go see a race so so is left out gonna make an appearance up there are you gonna do yeah, some stuff for left I'm out going All up right. there just, just to sit on my ass in richmond hey I thought you were just going up there to watch. I no, didn't know you were going I want to show the people Sammy Saavedra announcing. And just document I, it for I, him, dude. Like, yeah. I wish, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that there's no extra footage from when I tried that. But I kind of <laughs> wish that there was just to be able to say, I tried that. Look, here's proof. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's going to be awesome, dude. So, and it's going to be great. The quality guy that he is. Yeah. He called. He called me before he accepted it. He asked me if it would offend me, or if he didn't want me to think that he was trying to steal my job or step on my turf. He didn't have to do that. No. You know, they didn't. They they don't have it in the budget to bring me in, or and I'm not saying I'm expensive. I'm just saying to fly me there to have hotels and rental cars is expensive yeah. you know i mean some people don't think about that the cost to get people to all these races is enormous and especially with the price of gas going back up and hotels are stupid ridiculously high right now so um i thought that was top notch top shelf whatever you want to say sammy called me and i wish him the best of luck i've actually sent him four four notes i thought i only sent him three but i, I pulled them up earlier there's four notes yeah. things to do things not to do okay and just a little tip just little tips you know i just want him to succeed uh will he take my job maybe one day if he wants to um he doesn't plan on it but i didn't plan on being an announcer when i grew up when i grew up either i think if somebody offered him scotty dubler's job he'd say go screw yourself i'll do it with scotty (laughs) but i ain't taking scotty's job but i don't know dude there's a million races every right every weekend that doesn't mean that, that you know you're only one human you can't cover them all um, I know. I, I wish I had a clone sometimes. Even though you could wish you could sometimes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I feel that man. I, I and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I don't. I have no idea what the hell I'm going to be doing there um, at this point. But I know I'm going to be making some content for Left Out. I know I'm going to be cheering on Sammy in person. And uh, I don't know. There'll be a lot of flat trackers out there at that one. I think it's close enough to PA, and uh, there's a lot of flat trackers out there. I don't know who's from Richmond besides like. Uh, Rusty Rogers, Rusty and Rogers. Those guys, Mike, Mike Hacker, and yeah. you know the old guys, but you know there's not a lot. Tristan Avery was from Virginia; he's done racing now, but yeah. uh, you know it's just, but it's not too far from a lot of people. So Mike Turner's we'll see, from up there, so maybe his whole crew will probably be out in, in full effect. That'd be cool. Yeah, That'd be so, cool. Um, I don't know, man. I think that uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a flat track race, so uh, what am I saying? They'll definitely be fun. Uh, but right. as far as uh, how that racing is going to go. I've never been to that track. Never even heard of a track in Richmond or Virginia. 
in that case. Uh, so besides uh, we, the NASCAR tracks that I've been to, so we we did a mega mile, Carter. It was like a mile and an eighth, or maybe almost a mile and a quarter. And we didn't have very many bikes still running when we were done because <laughs> holding the bike open, you know, wide open that long was hard on motorcycles for sure. And yeah. it, it got a little bit dusty, but uh, unfortunately we don't go back there anymore. But uh, that was the last time I, I went to, actually, I think that was the only time I, and we did Saluda, Virginia before too, but it's been a minute since they've raced uh, big races in, in flat track in Virginia. So I'm glad that uh, the group of people that are getting these races together, I know Mike Hacker's part of it. I don't know who all else is helping out, but uh, I wish them well. I hope they have great success. There's going to be growing pains for you folks that are going to it. Just mm-hmm. know that it's it's a new race. Just know that they might not know how to prep the track right. They might not know that they needed this or this. I mean, things are going to be handled they're going to do their best they can and, and they're going to make the best show that they can so uh, just keep that in mind you know don't bash them on the first go around <laughs> yeah, i don't no. think any of our fans here on the podcast are those keyboard warriors no but no. uh but no i just i just hope i hope to have a successful event i hope you had i hope you have some fun i'm gonna have some fun don't you worry about that at all, all right um, guess guess what i'm doing guess what i'm doing that's what was my next question what are you doing you pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. Monster Jam? No, it's not Monster Jam, but I'm doing some Monster Truck shows. Okay. Uh, just actually, just one show, Saturday night, Enid, Oklahoma. Uh, so that'd be some fun. Just go up there, have some fun on Saturday. I think Stoney might ride up there with me and uh, keep me company on the way home. Because I'll usually do this one in just a day show. It's like an hour and a half away, maybe a little bit further uh, north of here. And I'll go do the Monster Trucks and come on home Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to it. And a gig's a gig, man. That's all I'm doing. I just a it, full-time announcer now. So that's good stuff. I look for whatever I can get. Yeah, that's good stuff, dude. Um, well, you want to get into this week's episode? It's a doozy. We didn't talk about motocross. Oh, we didn't talk about motocross. How was Man. that? Dude, Saturday went so smooth. I was like, this is perfect. We had eight eight motos. Mm-hmm. Eight, you know, so then you turn around and you run the eight motos again. So everybody gets two motos. We did two laps of practice before that. I was in and out of there like. Two o'clock, I got out of there at like six. Mm-hmm. In and out, no problem. Sunday, <laughs> I was there at 7.30 in the morning. Everybody got five minutes of practice because these guys hadn't practiced yet. And then we had 23 motos, and we ran through it twice. And we had some early red flags, and I heard a couple of people broke their femurs, which is the hardest bone in your body to break. So we had some delays for that. Uh, man, it was just it was just a long day. I, I just saw on Instagram they had 567 riders, something like that. So uh, motocross is big. Motocross is still booming down here in Oklahoma, and that just proves it. It was an Oklahoma State Championship race. It's the first time I've ever worked for that series, first time I've ever actually announced at that racetrack. So I had fun. It was just a very long day on Sunday. Awesome, man. Uh, and as much as I love to see you at only flat track races you were you were pretty yeah. happy there at the motocross race looked like yeah. you were having a lot of fun dude i was you know and i tried shooting one quick video a, a couple quick ones there for left out but uh it's such a busy day like they were literally dropping the gate on the next race while there were still bikes on there from the previous race so they were interchanged i mean they just kept going and, and we we're still there all day so wow. they did a good job and they were watering the track simultaneously while the races were going on um they did a they did a great job with and the wind was terrible 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 so they did the best with what they could um i'm sure it'll just keep getting bigger and bigger that's awesome uh i had fun that's good stuff well hopefully there's more of those because uh the more that you're announcing 
the busier you are when you're uh, not racing flat right. track. So that's, that's good right. Stuff. That's right. You want to get into this week's episode now? I, I do. I'm excited about this one. Our guest is not too excited about it. <laughs> I can understand that. I felt the same way. So how did you I convince called... him? You didn't trick him like you tricked me. No, I, I didn't. I actually called him in advance. Yeah. And uh, called him this morning. Uh-huh. Asked him what. Well, I called him on Tuesday morning. Well, yeah, we're doing said, this hey, one earlier uh, this week. Yep. I said, hey, man, uh, what are you doing tonight? You know, and when I say something like that, he usually thinks, oh, crap, I got to work on this car. I got to go over there. I live in his old house. So okay. he was like, I got to go fix something at the house is probably what he's thinking. But yeah. uh, I said, he's like, no, not much. Why? I was like, well, could you be in a place that's kind of quiet and take your phone off speakerphone? And he's like, what for? And I was like, well, because you're this week's guest on the podcast. And he's like, why don't you talk to a real race? <laughs> I said, I said, I'm pretty sure you really race motorcycles. And yeah. I'm pretty sure you're really fast. And and my dad's probably one of the most humble people you will ever meet. And he'll never tell you how fast he was, but he didn't get that nickname Fast Eddie for nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, really wished the quality of video equipment and stuff like that that we have now could have been back then. Because I don't, I honestly don't remember watching my dad race and that really bums me out yeah sucks it really sucks actually i'm gonna say it how it is but yeah. uh graham said that he was fast and and i believe her you know because graham graham knows she well, knows she said things. he was the fastest doobler i i believe her she I didn't mean, even skip I, a beat either she was like yeah I, Eddie. i'm su- i'm surprised i'm still in the conversation i think <laughs> i think the only reason i'm in that conversation because my last name is doobler that's the only reason are but. you gonna ask him that question yeah let's ask him what he Uh, thinks i I think so i like it i like it um good stuff this is gonna be a good one man i i honestly i haven't heard your dad say anything but like short one-liners or or punchlines or jokes or he he, he sent you jokes on the phone all the time and then (laughs) then he says you never respond so we had to figure that out on our last little road trip and oh yeah you did respond i did respond yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I look forward to it, man. And uh, I don't know. I think. Uh, do you think there's going to be anything in this interview that you didn't know? I'm sure there is. I, I, I'm sure that uh, Graham kind of filled me in, gave me some notes. I talked to Graham for about 45 minutes earlier uh, on Tuesday, and uh, she gave me some tidbits, not the whole story, because she probably doesn't know the whole story either. But. Uh, <laughs> I know there's a couple of good stories I'm going to start off with. How about that? I love it. Let's get it done. Dial them up. Hey, what's happening? Hey, Fast Eddie. Uh, used to be. I lost the S. Just where, Fat where, Eddie now. Yeah, that's what that sign that Kawasaki had made for you. Yeah, something like that. What are you up to? What's going on? Nothing. Uh, Carter and I uh, decided to call you, and you're this week's guest on the podcast. Um, you were requested, actually, by at least four people that I can think of. <laughs> I can't think of four friends. Well, it's me, myself, I, and Carter. That's four. Well, that's right. That makes four. Carter, I can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you, Carter. He's whispering. Yeah, Carter's whispering to us. <laughs> Carter made the podcast. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so so you're the guest. Are you ready? I mean, did you practice? Did you did you study up? Are you ready or what? I don't know what to study, man. I, I mean, hell, I didn't even get through grade school. 
<laughs> well, whose fault is that? My dad's. Oh, he always okay. had motorcycles laying around, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and they always got me in trouble, but not just me. Even Graham got in trouble. Yeah, I I remember we had a, a police scanner in the kitchen at Graham and Pa's house, so I I know that's a fact for sure. Well, yeah, but her name got plastered all over the paper. I was uh, 11 years old and out riding the Yamaha Twin, and and the cop brought me home and. Mom answered the door, and the cop says, did you know your son was out riding that motorcycle? And she says, well, yes. You know, and that was because I was gone and the bike was gone, right? Is why she said yes. Well, she got ridden up for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. And in <laughs> Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at that time, all that stuff went in the newspaper. She was unhappy with me. She probably, <clears throat> she probably still hasn't forgiven you for that. Oh, I'm sure not, yeah. Well, speaking of cop stories, while we're on the subject of being arrested, I think you got arrested in Daytona one time, and you guys couldn't get a hold of Graham and Pa because they're at the Speedway racing. This is before cell phones and even telephones. I mean, you didn't have a phone to get a hold of them. Oh, they give you one call. Yeah. So I call, So I get my one call knowing Dad was over there road racing, so I, I called the Daytona International Speedway and asked for Danny Joe Dupler. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Nobody found him. <laughs> so that meant uh, late, by by that evening they had me in the uh, gray outfit. Uh, in fact, I was in jail with the Hell's Angels that year. That was the year they stayed at the city dump, which used to be right across to the north of the speedway. <laughs> so it was quite an ordeal. But he come found me eventually. He figured if you couldn't find me, you know, maybe jail was the next best place to look. And sure enough, there I was. Well, I would think jail or the hospital, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go way back. Let's start the beginning for those people that don't know. Um, where were you born? Uh, born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What's it like growing up there? Awesome. Uh, good people, good country. Uh, it's, it's everything's aces and straights, all good. So, if you know, we left there when I was about seven or eight, but... You were pretty famous. Like, we couldn't go anywhere without somebody knowing who you were. Uh, that's why we left there. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It ain't a place probably to tell my life story. But but anyway, yeah, I had to leave South Dakota and uh, uh, picked Oklahoma because it was dead center in the United States. I, you know, I could go to either coast in the same amount of time. So I figured, you know. From when you're born and raised in South Dakota, you spend the first day and a half just trying to, you know, get away from South Dakota, and then you uh, got another day's driving to get to the race you want to go to. So I thought, this is stupid, a lot of drive time, you know. So I got to Oklahoma, figured I could catch anything, you know, any direction. Yeah, but there's not a lot of flat track down here, Dad. Yeah, there ain't any more, but there used to be a little bit. Uh, but again, uh, you get there, you know, in short time. Okay. All right. Short time. Like we're talking St. Louis is like seven and a half or eight hours. And then you still got to go another hundred miles to get to Springfield. That's not a short time for most people. Well, if you're from South Dakota, it's like I said, you spend <laughs> a half a, a day and a half just trying to, you know, find civilization. I got you. All right. I guess, uh, I guess I don't remember those days. I was too small to remember those long drives, but, uh, 
you know, a lot of people realize and know that I'm a third generation flat tracker, but how did you get into motorcycles? Was it just because of Pa was already in it or was it something you picked up on the side? Well, I was uh, around 10 years old when my dad took us kids and sat us down one night and said he was going to go racing and asked if anybody cared and, and we were all for it. And, uh, so he, off he started racing. He got a late start, but very successful. And, uh, mom got into it. Graham, she, uh, she pushed it. And, uh, so the motorcycles were there and they were part of our life. And, uh, 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 you know, we always had something around the house to ride. And, you know, like I said, I got in trouble often, uh, just riding motorcycles around town. But, uh, then, uh, Jerry Cheney was a Sioux Falls, South Dakota boy before he became a, a Tumwell, Iowa guy. And, uh, they had the Cheney's had a Yamaha and Harley shop. And, and, uh, so when Jerry showed up to a racetrack, he had, you know, a dozen race bikes in the back just because they were readily available for him. And one day he said, uh, what do you want to race this? I said, why? Sure. You know, <laughs> so off I went, you know, I mean, my dad's, one of my dad's big competitors and he gives me a bike to ride where my dad didn't ever did, you know? So <laughs> off I went and that's what got it started. That's crazy. I, I guess I didn't know that story. Um, was that at Sioux Valley cycle club or was that at another racetrack before Sioux Valley cycle club was even around? It was the Sioux Valley cycle club, but it was on the, the property they had at, you know, almost downtown Sioux falls. Uh, Oh, up. okay. And, uh, the, the club itself started like in 1939, I believe. And, uh, uh, they had some different properties over the years, but right now everybody knows it as Renner. Uh, yep. in fact, that's another jail experience. Uh, yeah, I, I actually have that in my notes, but I was going to get to it later. But if you want to talk about borrowing the earth mover from the city of Sioux Falls to go cut out a racetrack out of the side of a hill and then uh, you got pulled over taking the thing back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had uh, uh I made arrangements with a guy. I says, hey, I, you know, he was a, an old bike rider, too, and at one time was a club member, and he had a construction company. And I said, man, I need an earth mover, you know, to build a short track. We'd bought that acreage out there by renter. And, uh, man, I can't loan you one. He says, there's too many, you know, stipulations and stuff. But... but he was kind enough to tell me where they kept the key and, <laughs> and, uh, maybe the padlock wouldn't be on the gate that night. So one evening we went and borrowed it, got it out to renter. It was, oh, probably 20 miles, got it out there and built a racetrack all night and about four. I had to have it. Oh, that was the other thing. He says, now, he says, uh, if it does disappear, he says, it's got to be here at six in the morning. He says, our guys start showing up at six. So about mm -hmm. four thirty in the morning going down the interstate, uh, in an earth mover, you know, they run what? 33 miles an hour. <laughs> it's dark, no lights on the thing, of course, anything like that. And sure enough, I get pulled over and the cop says, well, I don't know what to do with this earth mover. So he let me return it. <laughs> so that was the good part. And the guy never did file charges. So I didn't have to spend much time. <laughs> wow so at a young age like you said around 10 or so is when you rode jerry cheney's bike for the first time but when did you start working on motorcycles uh from day one uh you know i used to steal the 
motor off the lawnmower and stick it on a go, you know, a wooden homemade go-kart. Uh, we lived on a three block long hill with no, uh, intersections in between, you know, we had 15th street and the top of the hill was 18th street. So we had three blocks to go straight downhill and before we ran into an intersection. So I would, anyway, I, I was just, I'd steal the lawnmower motor and dad would come home to mow the yard and then chew me out because the motor was gone <laughs> out of the right. mower. So anyway, I always started piddling and tinkering and dad, uh, you know, worked hard off, but he, but he, uh, he'd get, he'd go to work real early in the mornings and, uh, get home at a decent hour in the evening and, and, uh, then work out in the garage all night, you know, building whatever, you know, triumphs, bull tacos, whatever. Uh, and, uh, I just hung out there quite a bit, paid a lot of attention. He's pretty so, meticulous. Yeah, absolutely. He still is to this day. So I remember hearing stories about you working at a motorcycle shop with, my racing car, my race car hero, Doug Wolfgang. What what age did you start working at that at that motorcycle shop? Uh, shoot, probably nineteen or twenty. Okay. And uh, Doug was Doug's a uh, couple years younger than me, and and uh, was still in school. And uh, yeah, anyway, Doug was uh, wanting to be a racer, and I knew the, you know. Uh, Anyway, he looking for work too, and so I got him a job in the cycle shop there. And uh, he built he built motors and you know changed flat tires and you name it. He did this and did that, did it all. And I taught him. And in fact, I took Wolfgang out to. Uh, I told him I said, "You want to be a good race car driver, you got to learn to ride two wheels first, You know, so in the winter time, I'd take him out to the river and we'd ride on the river. And, except. For some reason, my bike had studs, but the one I gave him never did. I, I wanted to learn. You know. Yeah, and he learned. Yeah, he still yeah, got that's... scars from it. I... Yeah, and he 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 said you're crazy for racing flat track, and so he went sprint car racing instead. Yeah, yes, that's crazy. Yeah, he's uh, very successful at it. Uh, best I've ever seen. Absolutely. So, I'm gonna put you on the spot right here. What is your all-time favorite racing memory? Oh, wow. Motorcycles, cars? Anything that comes to mind. Your first thing that comes to mind, I guess. Uh, for myself, I stuck at the main event at uh, Sturgis, half mile. Your chubby armor and those guys won it, and the Palmgren boys. And, and uh, there was 160-some of us novices that year. And I was the only single cylinder, Boltaco to put it in the main event the others are all the yamaha twins and i ran a fourth and not happy with it but uh, i made the main event against all twins if i remember right you probably could have went in there and stuffed chubby armor in that last corner but you decided it really wasn't worth it and settled for fourth right well it was pumpkin but uh yes i got you yeah, chubby right. won it yeah okay so you road raced you hill climbed you did trials you told me a long time ago you don't like jumping, so I don't think you did any much motocross. So why'd you stick with flat track? The thrill, uh, the adrenaline. You just, I couldn't beat it. Okay. All right. Uh, man, it, you know, like everybody you talk to on your podcast, which, by the way, why did it take three and a half years to call me? Well, you just, <laughs> just you, told, you, you told me earlier today <laughs> that I should call a real racer. So, I mean. I did. Um, I did. I'm teasing you. I'm just rubbing you. <laughs> 
you know, I figured right. it's Carter's fault. Well, he's he's one of the guys that wanted to hear from you. So there's a couple other them that live, you know, quite a ways up north. Yeah. So flat track. Is it the speed? Is it the living on the edge? Is it the corners? Is it the straightaway speed? I mean, what what name name a couple of things? It's all of the above. Uh, you, there's not a you know. I remember when you uh, first came to me and said you're ready to go racing. I thought, ka-ching, here it comes because I never pushed it on you. Right. And I thought, wow, this is my day. And then you said, yeah, I already found a bike. And I said, what did you find? Mm-hmm. And you told me the such and such motocrosser. And I said, Scott, <laughs> you know, anyway, I just, I, I went to bed crying that night. A motocrosser, you know, mud daubers is what we call oh. You know, you guys don't know nothing. You never get over 38 miles an hour, you know. I'm thinking, yeah. what's the thrill? <laughs> but as you know, when you turn into flat tracking, the adrenaline is, is at least as high flat tracking. I mean, because you're right on the edge, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just try to put yourself in Ricky Graham's boots, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, how can anything get any higher in life than that? You don't have to get high on drugs. Uh, I mean, that high is so good. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's hard. It's hard to put into words. That's for sure. Let's talk about yeah. your amateur career for just a little bit. Cause I don't think I've ever heard you talk about any of your amateur races. Did you race a lot as an amateur or, you know, you, you started yeah. at a young age. Um, where would you race at, and who would you race against as an amateur? Oh, I, again, being in South Dakota, you had to travel. Uh, uh, I remember I got an award one time from the AMA for whatever district number it was, but Iowa State champion. Uh, you know, did a lot of Iowa racing and stuff, and, uh, you know, wherever they had a race, and especially if it paid money, you know, I was there and, uh, but the amateur stuff, uh, and Sturgis, you know, it's 350 miles from Sioux Falls, but that's the annual big thing. Mm-hmm. And so you knew damn well, you was going to Sturgis in August and, uh, there, you know, you, you get on that short track or whatever and a half mile as well. But, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of names, uh, you know, I could rattle names off for five hours, but, uh, had a lot of con- uh, contesting with uh, Buzz Arndt and the Minneapolis boys, you know. Of course, you had the Chubby Armor. The, you had the K&N team show up there. Uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, used to be a national at one time. And, you know, it was fun getting punted through the wall and punting other people through and so on and so forth on the short track. So, yeah, um, it, you know, I got lots of memories. I just don't speak about them much, but anyway, uh, then I kind of got hurt a little bit and I, and it, I, I still have that same problem, but, uh, that's why I don't vintage ride. But, uh, I, uh, just had to kind of quit and, uh, but I never got out of racing. I've always been around it. And then you come along and made it even better. Okay. So when, when you went pro, this is something I found very hard to understand, but it, it does make sense if you look at it in the big picture. Pa and Graham would go one way. You would go a different direction, and then Joe would go another way if he could, if he was still racing. But you guys did that because if you went to the same track, the best you guys could do is first, second, and third. 
how hard was it to to leave and go a different direction away from your parents, away from your brother, just to go try to win a race, but you're 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 there maybe alone or with a friend instead of with your family? Oh, that was no problem. Uh, you know, like the one time my parents went to North Dakota racing, and I went to uh, uh, Minnesota, and uh, they came home late at night or early in the morning, and they went downstairs to my bedroom and pulled the covers back, and, and uh, oh, I know what happened. I, they saw the motorcycle first, I guess, and it was broken half. Mm-hmm. The front end was busted plumb off, and then so my dad comes down, and pulls the covers back to see if I got all four limbs, you know, and I did. So he threw the covers back on and went to bed. But I had to get up early because there was a four star, uh, a four state championship the next day that I wanted. To, well, that same morning, I guess. So I had to rebuild a bike for that. But anyway, it uh, yeah, at the time it just didn't make sense to you know. I mean we're not going to beat on each other and it was stupid to take, you know, one of us had to settle for second then. So, uh, we usually went different directions. I gotcha. So there's more story though. You were, you're leaving out. This, are you going to tell us how the bike ended up in two pieces? <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> well, I can, I can throw you under the bus or you can throw yourself under the bus. It's up to you. Well, I'll tell you my version. <laughs> they, uh, they grabbed me in a, Oh, they were letting the track do whatever it's doing and, or the sun go down or whatever it was. And they asked us an intermission thing and they asked me and a couple other guys, if we'd go out and do some wheelies and stuff, you know, cause it was a state fair or not, not a state, but a county fair. And, uh, so, uh, it was, uh, going over backwards on me and I couldn't get the brake pedal with my steel shoe on and, and, uh, cause I had a right hand shift, left hand brake thing going at the time, but couldn't get to this. Uh, I, and I had my steel shoe on, I should have taken it off, but anyway, I couldn't get, stay on the brake to set the front end back down. And I wheelied over backwards, but the bike just kept on wheelie, wheeling down the straightaway. And then it came down on two wheels. So after high school, instead of going to college, you moved down to Florida and Graham said there was some relatives down there, some friends of ours down there. But you went down there because you could race three or four nights a week. Is that right? Yeah, uh, more like five or six times a week, yeah. Wow. Uh, and- I, what had happened uh, as the draft, uh, I was my number was coming up in the draft, so I didn't even uh, try to get in college. I knew I was going to Vietnam. So, um, so I raced all summer and that fall in late October. I had a date to go in and enlist i figured if i enlisted i'd have a better opportunity as what i could do in vietnam rather than just get drafted so i i i uh, went in to take my test and they 4f me that uh, in other words i flunked four but, times uh, they did that because do what <laughs> he said 4f i said you flunked four times yeah right four f's yeah uh, I had a head injury and they didn't want anybody with head injuries. I'd, I'd had a accident in younger years and, uh, had a head injury that they didn't want to mess with. So they kicked, they kicked me out of the service and, and I thought, well, shoot, you know, all my friends are gone to college or done this or done that. And what am I going to do now? So I just elected to go to Florida where I could race, you know, five, six times a week. And 
So I went down there and I had we had some family friends there that lived in Clearwater. And I got there on a Thanksgiving day. And then that Saturday when the motorcycle shops were open, I went into a motorcycle shop there. Uh, Mike Murdoch owned it. It was a Kawasaki dealership, first one I ran into. So I walked in there, and this old man happened to be behind a parts counter. He was getting parts. He's a, He was a mechanic, but his name was Ed Holcomb. Ed Holcomb, I didn't know at the time, but anyway, he asked me, you know, I says, well, I just wonder, you know, where the racing is around here, you know. And he started asking questions, you know, where you're from and all that stuff. And he says, well, Sonny, he says, uh, he says, you might just want to leave your bike loaded up. He says, the boys down here are dang fast. He said, you, you'd probably, well, that just give me more incentive. So I went to that first race and mm-hmm. come to find out Ed Holcomb helped a lot of people through the years. And at that, see, he had just, he ran, uh, he read, he ran Gary Nixon through the ranks and until he turned expert. And then he, when they turned expert, he didn't want nothing to do with them because they get fat headed. He said. <laughs> they can't they can't learn that. So he ran Gary Nixon through his career and dropped him when he turned expert and he was working with this Dan Barry at the time who who was the state champion and anyway that first race out there I whooped them all and uh they, at first they weren't gonna let me ride in the A class and I told them I didn't come here to ride in the B class so they they put a uh a watch on me and, and told me yes you can ride the A so I rode the A class and beat their state champion and, and, uh, got protested by the owner of that same cycle shop. And anyway, long story short, I enjoyed it in Florida. The owner of that cycle shop finally gave me a Ford Ranchero and a full tank of gas and put me on his bikes to ride all the time I was down there. So I enjoyed Florida. How long did you live down there? Until I got hurt. So I didn't know so you got uh, hurt. You got hurt down there. Is that your career-ending injury, or that was later no, on, wasn't it? That was a different hurt. Okay, all right. So you you get hurt in in Florida and move back to Sioux Falls, right? Yeah, and then your mom caught me. <laughs> <laughs> True story. All right. And all my right. dad warned me. My daddy says, "Hey, she'd been over in Hawaii," and daddy said, "Dad says." Uh, she come back home for a reason. She's trying to catch you. Yeah. And I yeah. apparently wasn't listening because I let her catch me. Yeah. And then uh, then I was born. You guys got married. and uh, But you still raced for a while after after my mom got back. And let's back up. There's more to the story of, of my mom went to Hawaii with your sister because they're best friends. They were best friends. They're still best friends. That's correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you better not uh, you better not talk too bad about her because people are going to listen and people are going to hear this. Oh, uh, she let the best thing in her life go, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Anyway, I know. I, I know. know. She's, she's a good lady. You know that. I've never talked bad about your mama. That's right. So you move back to Sioux Falls. You keep racing. Um, Graham says I I spent some time talking to Graham to get some notes, and Graham says you're. One of your most successful years was the year that you rode from Can-Am. Is it true that you had one of the first, or if not the first, Can-Am that came into the States? I did. Uh, And I got it like on a Monday or Tuesday or something of August. Uh, They wanted 
the motorcycle shop I worked for at the time uh, was a Can-Am dealer and Honda and Kawasaki and, and uh, so on and so forth. But anyway, the the our rep knew me and he talked big about me apparently, and they decided to try to get a bike down to represent Can-Am at Sturgis, and they got one to me, and I had to quick do some changes to it and set it up my way and ran it out to Sturgis and. Uh, I won a couple nights, but I was always up front someplace. But yeah, I ran the Can Am. They were awesome motorcycles. I love them to death. The rotary valves tough to beat. And what size Even, was that? Was was that a two fifty? Uh, I think it was uh, one seventy five. Was their first model. Okay. And uh, yeah, they eventually came with the two fifty and stuff and bigger motors yet after that. But started with that one seventy five was the first one. They just shipped it straight to me uh on a truck or you know try to two-day it out of canada somewhere and and got it to me in time to get it out there so gotcha goodbye so yeah so i asked graham when when she was on the podcast who was who is the fastest doubler in their prime pa you or myself and without hesitation she said you and that really surprised me um same question for you um I've understood that Pa was really fast, and he had no fear. And I knew you were fast, but I didn't know how fast you were. I don't remember watching you race. And then I know how fast or how slow I was, I guess. But who's who's the fastest doubler? Um, I'm gonna say it's a tie. We all got uh, uh, three different riding styles. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I like your smoothness. Uh, the way you put yeah, and you put the power to the ground uh, better than myself or my dad, uh, and the smoothness counts. You know, uh, uh, that, that's wasted energy if you're twitching around and you know rear wheel kicking out and stuff. Uh, and I like the way you put the power to the ground. I think that trying to ride that Johnny Isaac's uh, TDM 850, mm-hmm. where it was a, a high horsepower bike for you taught you throughout a control better than anything because that's the only way you could ride it and uh, right. still even with a patient wrist it was a hard bike to ride yeah but uh as far as your answer goes i think uh I, it's a tie all three okay are you are you gonna be a politician when you grow up that was a very well, political that's a very political if, correct if, answer i guess if, if you're throwing me out against if you throw me out against Joe Biden, anybody can beat him. Oh, it is, speaking of Joe, is your brother Joe in the mix? I know he was fast, but he was kind of a loose cannon, kind of rode on the edge. Would would he be in the mix of the fast doublers? Uh, no. He, not enough control. Okay. All right. Uh, just he, he, an uncontrolled throttle, yeah. I got you. So I don't know if his brain was I don't know if his brain was hooked up with his wrist or not. I there was there was there was a gap there. I got you. So this one's gonna blow your mind because it blew my mind, but I, I have to tell you this and I wanna do it while we're while we're recording because I asked Graham today what modern rider she would compare your riding style to. Do you have any guesses? Not a clue. So there's actually two. And I know you like both of these riders, and I do too. Uh, but she said Brad Baker and Morgan Mishler. Do you know why? <laughs> no. 
She said because they right. don't follow anybody. They go up, they find a new line. They're not scared to go look for a new fat on the racetrack. And she said that's how you rode. Quite right. Um, and Brad Baker, uh, always impressive that way. And uh, Morgan Mishler, I didn't know who the kid was until five, six years ago. And I, I had to ask you, I was at... We were at Belusia leading up to Daytona, and I had to come ask, who is that kid on that number, whatever it was? Mm -hmm. And uh, you told me his name, and I told you then, I said, that kid's going places. I said, because he refuses to follow. He's going to find a way around you, and he's going to do it clean for the most part. He, he definitely that does. that impresses me, impresses yeah. me in a rider. Yeah, he's he's a, he's very good. He he loves the high line. Or I don't know if he loves the high line, but that's where he goes because he doesn't want to sit right behind somebody and follow him. And I like the way he rides too. Um, what like, was it about? Go ahead. Just like cows, you know. I mean, if you're if you're not the leader, the view's the same, you know. And you got to get out and look for that different scenery, you know. You got to see what's around you. Okay, so you're saying you're not a cow. I'm not. I'm. I'm not the follower. I'm the lead cow. I'm going to get to the lead somehow. All right. Just All like right. Mister and Brett. But I that was a it. nice compliment. Yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. I just. I don't know if I didn't know you if you even heard that. So. Uh, Never. Uh, so, the crash. I, that that ended your career. I don't like talking about crashes, and we we both know that. But, um, Graham said it kind of tore the tendons and the muscles away from your femur bone on your left leg. And there's like a, you, you call it a divot. Um, where did that crash happen? She said she doesn't remember, but it was with uh, a Minnesota rider. She doesn't remember even whose fault it was, or if it's just a racing deal, but where was that crash at dad? It was, uh, in Huron, South Dakota. And, uh, they had, you know, they got the fairgrounds up there, but, uh, it wasn't there. They had a, uh, scramble track you know and that's what we wrote a lot of uh they were like uh an early 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 day motocross you know they were uh, just a rough piece of land and you cut out a track and ride on it you know and lefts and rights and stuff and, and uh i yeah i didn't take out my good stuff i figured i could win it on a small bike so i took it you know i had about three bikes in the van and i took out the that 175 can am and uh had one of those with me still and i decided i could whoop the big boys on that too and all was going well until a couple of them augered in front of me and you know we'd just taken the green flag and only been through two two of the corners and and uh i got caught up in the mix of that and got under some motorcycles and what it did it tore the nerve away from the bone I don't know if today's doctors would know how to, you know, you can't run a staple in there, but anyway, I don't know if they'd know how to attach that again or not, but today, but yesteryear, no. So I would still try to race, you know, and I, hell, I could be out there leading the race and go into a corner and all of a sudden the brain wouldn't tell the nerve what to do, you know, to put your leg down, you know, and I'd throw it in the corner like thinking I was going to have my steel shoe out there, but it'd still be on the foot peg. So I'd go to straight yeah. to the ground and, Kind of, I had to kind of back off, you know, I had a son to raise and everything. So, uh, had to back off my riding. So what year was that when you, when you 
gave it up full time or, you know, as much as you were racing? I don't really know, Scott. Okay. I don't know. I just, I just really don't remember watching you race that much. And I know we spent well, many, if, many days at the racetrack. You know, Graham would do signups in the, the front gate. Mom would do scoring. And you would, you know, sometimes run the race, sometimes just be out there racing. But I don't remember watching you race that much. So I just didn't remember if, if I was already, you know, if I was too young when you stopped or if I was just too busy. Well, it was about, uh, yeah, you were about six. It was about 78 or so, 79, when I finally realized I was getting too stupid. <laughs> and uh quit but so then i just do other things you know go ride hair scrambles cross country hill climbs whatever uh so factory road to widow i've ridden everything from daytona road racing to the Widowmaker hill climb so you just brought it up you told me one time you were scared of a motorcycle one time and that was at daytona national speedway why was that yeah <laughs> uh the first time I got on the high banks, I remember going, you know, coming out of the pit area and through the infield, and you get on the high banks and uh, down that back straightaway, you know, and 148 miles an hour or whatever those 250 twins would carry you. And uh, it was it was uh, one of the backup bikes, uh, and going down. In, that was before the chicane on the backstretch and go down into that turn three it just looked like a wall and I thought what the hey you know and so I <laughs> backed out of the throttle a little bit you know and that wasn't making me happy and so I got on you know got on the brakes a little bit and downshifted and that wasn't making me happy and I, I and it was actually sucking me down to the hole you know in the banking there that 33 degree banking and and uh so I just stayed on the apron and went into the pits and my dad was there and I says, Hey, I don't like this. That, you know, that's spooky stuff. And he said, well, Eddie, he says, it's just like riding in a bowl. I said, well, daddy, I've never been in a bowl before, you know, <laughs> anyway, he pretty much, he pretty much guided me. He told me to, uh, you know, just pin the, you know, pick a line and pin the throttle, you know, and this, but the suspension collapses and everything. It was just, it was just uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I gotcha. Well, Graham, Graham fact, said I had to ask you. Want to rest, you want to rest that story real quick? Yeah, yeah I do. I want to hear some more about Daytona. <laughs> so whatever day, you know, that was practice day. And then uh, when the race came, they started 99 of us, three waves of 33. And I was on the second row of the second row of the second wave. And I told my dad, I said, I ain't riding it. And uh, he said, man, you know, and and he says, you come a long ways, you know. He says, you qualified, you know, you're, you're not the slowest. A lot of them went home already, 99 of you still get to race. And I said, I ain't doing it, Dad. So we made a plan. We got up early that morning, went over the speedway, you know, the I was a novice that year. And uh, Kenny Roberts, novice, same year. But uh, long story short, Gary Scott, all them guys were there. But um, long story short was I, I – put on my boots but i laced about every third or fourth lace you know he had them long tall lineman boots and put on my leathers and push it through tech and spec and you got to show them your helmet and all that stuff and push it out to the line out to the grid and dad's plan was he wanted to ride he, you know he was going to be riding in the junior expert race later you know uh and uh 
but he said, well, I'll just ride too, get some more practice in and stuff. So he come out there to strolling around, but he was wearing his leathers and we were just going to nonchalantly change places. And, and, uh, he was going to ride for me, you know? So then all of a sudden, uh, the AMA ref, I forget his name, but he, uh, come over, Danny, how you doing? How's South Dakota? All that stuff, you know? So dad couldn't get out of, you know, we couldn't trade places then cause he was spotted. I ended up having a quick lace my boots up and ride the thing. But, uh, I finished 22nd and, uh, thought that was pretty dang good, but first time in my life I'd ever, ever been lapped, and it was Kenny Roberts that lapped me. So, Wow. I crazy. Thought, what the hey. But anyway, back to you. So, Graham says I have to ask you about a, a story about a hill climb with Schaefer down in Yankton, and Graham and Pa came home, and your bike was in a mess in the shop, so it kind of sounds like a, a, a re- reoccurring theme with you. Uh, did you have a bad day? Well... You know that old theory, money, nothing, money, nothing. You know, the right wrist twisted towards you, you know, all the way back towards you is money and all the way forward is nothing. So I like the money feel, you know, but it did cost me a few motorcycles. <laughs> so that that's all you're going to say about that story? That's all I got, yeah. Okay, all right. So tell me about Dubler Cycle Center. I remember growing up there, I mean, you were a milkman in the morning time, so you left you know, when the cows left, you say you didn't follow them, so you probably led the cows to the to the milking barn. But you were a milkman when I was a kid. But then when you got home, you'd pick me up and we'd go to the motorcycle shop. How long did you have Dubler Cycle Center? Uh, probably half a dozen years. Uh, left. I, I just was enjoying it, working on bikes too much. It's a little seasonable in South Dakota, you know. It's hard to eat them spark plugs in the winter, but uh, I hated snow. Did a Terrace Park Dairy because I needed insurance because you had come along by that time mm-hmm. and your mother had contracted a, a disease that uh, would have been very, very, very expensive. There's no way you could pay for it uh, if I didn't have insurance. So sure. I, and self-insured was high. So I had a job during the dairy and had a good friend, uh, Jeff Lar, who uh, was going through school and stuff and he could open the shop for me and run it if I was off racing and stuff too. So, uh, anyway, it all worked well. Yeah. I got a lot of good memories from the motorcycle shop. And I even remember the, the parrot would come down there. We, we'd keep the parrot on a handlebar motorcycle, but then he got to where he'd start chewing through throttle cables and clutch cables and stuff like that. So he had to have his own perch at one point. Oh yeah. He, <laughs> he'd been, he'd been around a lot. Yeah. I had a pair. He, uh, Lasted a lot of years, and but he was kind of ornery with uh, throttle cables and stuff, so couldn't let him sit on handlebars anymore. I got gotcha. you. So Graham says you got the biggest heart and you'll help everyone, and <clears throat> I've seen that time and time again at the racetrack. Is it is it just because the way you were raised, or is it uh, because I know it doesn't always happen at the racetrack too. You like you'll help people in the neighborhood and whatnot, but at the racetrack, you know, you help whoever is in need of anything. Uh, is that from Graham and Pa, or is that just something that you picked up? Or tell me more about that. It's from the way I was raised, my parents, and uh, also being in South Dakota. Like I said, South Dakota people are tough to beat. Uh, you know, looked look. You know, just look through the China, China virus deal. You know, I suppose that's too politically incorrect, but either way. Uh, 
Chrissy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, you know, she still got that state wide open and did well with it. And, uh, uh, just the way people are raised up there, uh, you know, you got open arms and help anybody, but, uh, I guess I am kind of a softy sometimes. My wife has said that many times. Yep. I, I just remember we would, if we'd be driving down the road, we see a bicycle on the side of the road. You'd stop and grab it. it. Didn't matter how many pieces it was in, but you'd put them together and give them to the kids in the neighborhood, so everybody had a bicycle. Oh yeah, I always pick up two dollar bicycles at garage sales and give them to somebody. Fix them uh, and just got to. Gotcha. I got another racing question for you. I just found out today officially that Travis Pastrana is racing the Atlanta Super TT. Uh, if we think back, I think I might have still been racing myself, but he tried racing the Daytona short track and didn't even make the 60-rider cut. How do you think he's going to do on a Super TT uh, with probably not a whole lot of road race experience, but there's enough technical aspect of the racetrack that, you know, I just I just, I just, want your opinion. How do you think he's going to do? Well, Suzuki, you know, they, they took him to Daytona, and you're right, he looked like a fish out of water, but you take him out to this Atlanta deal with all that asphalt and stuff. And the, the course is not, you know, a, a super a motocross. It's not a lot of air time and stuff. So he'll do good, uh, timed qualifying, but race time when the guy sticks the elbow on him or rubs his front wheel on his left knee or something, uh, I don't know that he's going to stand there and take that. I think he'll, sit upright and let the guys go by him so i don't i don't expect to see anything out of him uh it would be nice if he were to get in there and make the main event uh i think that would be awesome for the the sport itself but uh, i really don't see it coming okay we'll have to wait and see i mean you know i think he's got a better shot at it now than he did back then but he is a lot older too so we'll have to see how it uh, pans out for him uh we're already near the end of the episode so that means it's time for graham's question are you ready for this one yeah, probably not. <laughs> Graham says, have you ever had any regrets that you, with the family, talked Scott into trying flat track and leaving the sport that he loved, which was motocross? No, because the motocross was uh, you know, just like today's riders. You know, there's a supercross on two of them this week, and there's guys that aren't going to be there that are up in points because they're hurt. You know, you spend a, a lot of time uh, in, in motocross, you spend a lot of time and very little time racing and, uh, flat tracking. It's, I'd like to say it's safer. It's probably, it's way more dangerous, but, uh, the respect for each other and so on and so forth is there. And, uh, I think with talent, you can avoid getting hurt. You know, there's a lot of, how many times have you seen Jared Meese miss a race? due to being just, hurt you know it just don't happen just once and, i think uh, and, and we've been we, we've been, i'm going to answer that for you because i think it's just one time and we've been around him for a long time you know he broke his arm at, at ashland but that's been quite a few years ago right. and that's the only time i remember him seeing him miss one right and so in the flat tracking the community the world uh, around it uh it's all family man it's, it's just all family uh and, and so no, I think uh, you missing motocross to go flat tracking. Uh, I'm still okay with that decision. 
How come, how come you didn't like motocross, Dad? I mean, you kind of explained it a little bit, but is it because you didn't have any suspension back then? I mean, I know you're kind of older than me a little bit. I couldn't. Uh, I I just couldn't give up what I was doing. I just loved the speed. All right, all right. Speed well, is good. <laughs> it's time for the rapid-fire questions. Are you ready for these? You bet. What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Um, handling bull tacos. Anyone in particular? Not necessarily. Uh, I like the Sherpas myself. Uh, you know, I like to slide them and Sherpa is a good sliding bike where the Astros are more, more sit up and ride it type deal. Okay. What's track? I can't say one. I ha I'd have to say three. All right, let's go for it. Three of them. Top three. Rapid City Half Mile. Okay. Savannah Savannah Half Mile. It the new one's okay too, but I like the old track. And the third one is the Peoria Speedway, the short track in town. Mm-hmm. That thing's fast. Left all three. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's right. hard to beat the Black Gumbo at Rapid City. That Black Gumbo is is awesome and. A lot of passing going on. It's a, probably my favorite half mile. Savannah okay. was super fast, though. Well, Oklahoma City half mile, Dad. I mean, come on. That that place was fast, too. I agree. I like it. Uh, I didn't see the same thrill in, in Savannah and Rapid City, though. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot more passing at those two tracks, for sure. Uh, who's, yeah. who's your favorite flat tracker of all time? it got to be Ricky Graham. I'd agree with you uh, right just, there. Un undoubt undoubtedly. I, I just can't compare. You know, if you ask me the second fastest one, it'd take me forever to come up with an answer. Okay. I didn't, I didn't but even say fastest, first. but 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 why Ricky? Oh, why not? Uh, again, you want to follow those, you know, be that second cow or the front cow. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yep. Who, who's your favorite person to go bench racing with? I'd have to say you. All right, that's cool. We've been I like a lot, it. Of, lot of lot of seat lot of seat time together. <laughs> Absolutely, we still we still get on the phone. What's going on in current races I've been to and yep. stuff like that. We had to do that a little, a little bit earlier today. Talk about some motocross from last weekend. Um, right. Which, which is more satisfying, you winning a race or watching me win one? You, by all means, no doubt. I think Kevin Barnes just said that last week, and it's true. Uh, I mean, hell, go back to Bigelow, for example. Uh, did he like winning the race or the bikes himself, you know? And But anyway, uh, you. Right on. Who's the next first-time champion? And we'll go with all three classes because I think you're on it. So let's start with Super Twins. Who's the fir next first-time champion in Super Twins? Oh, first-time champion. Shoot. Mm-hmm. I thought you was going to ask me who was going to be a champion soon. Um, that was going to be Sammy Halbert. If I could get Sammy to go back and live in that damn school bus again and get hungry, he'd be up front. He'd be win he'd be winning the championship. But okay. right now I'm going to go uh, Brandon Price. Ooh, I like it. I think he's going to win a race here this year for sure. Uh, let's talk production twins. Who's the next first-time champion in production twins? Uh, 
I'd like to see Ryan Barnes do it. I think he's got the skill set. He's made enough dumb mistakes. Uh, you know, he he's had a lot of mechanicals too. But uh, I really think he's he's growing in talent real quick. I think he could be it. Okay. And in the singles class. Uh, I got to go with Morgan Mishler. Just, again, I love his ride style. Uh, he's, uh, you know, got a pretty good act going right now. And uh, I think he can do it, but he's going to, unfortunately, right now, you know, it's hard to beat the Esteson two boys. Mm-hmm. And Shayna and, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, I think he's going to get up there and scratch at the front here eventually. Yeah, he looked good at Volusia, so I think he's uh, yeah. on the right track for this year for sure. Uh, this one, we just kind of throwing this one to you. Who should Carter have teach him how to ride a motorcycle? Me. All right. I like it. I expect to do that in Oklahoma City here. Yep. All right. That's a done deal. You heard it here, right here on the podcast. You can teach a monkey to ride a motorcycle, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so. So I ought to be able to teach Carter, yeah. Okay. Well, you've seen some of his road rash, and that's just from a bicycle, Dad. Yeah, he's a sissy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, he fell going over the wall at Savannah, too. So, I mean, you, maybe I have to definitely yeah. wear him, you know, get him some pads and a helmet. So, uh, we'll see yeah. how that goes. Uh, the last question in our rapid fire is, uh, what are you most proud of? The Duber name and the Duber family, and especially my son, Scotty. Right on. So I did skip a question earlier, and I do want to know the answer to this one. So what was it about Gary Scott that you'd like so much that you want to name your son after him? Determination. Uh, he had that desire. He uh, he was the Jared Meese back then, the, the bull the, with the grit and the determination and uh, always made it happen, you know, uh, uh, I admired him then, and uh, even still to this day, I think he was a hell of a good guy and is a good guy, and, but is a racer, uh, determination. Cool. I like that answer a lot. So at the end of the episode is when we let people say thank you to whoever, whatever. Do you want to say thanks to anybody? I do. I'd like to thank the Steve Naces of the world, all the promoters out there stick their necks out you know right now now i'm gonna get on my bandwagon right now the aft is tough on the little guy you know uh you you don't have a last chance qualifier you don't have a you know you gotta there's so little chance to make it to the main you know look at the even the singles down in volusia what was it two dozen of them super twins a dozen you know the head counts down and it's because of the you spend all that time and trouble to go to this race and you can't even make the main event because something happens and you don't get another shot at it, you know? So basically you get there and qualify and, and you have a bad qualifier. So you start at the back of the semi and you can't get up to the top to make the cut. You go home. And I think that's sad. And the Steve Nace is the promoters of the world that stick their neck out. Uh, you know, it cost them money to even, think about putting on a race they got to have front money for everything and they do it for the little guy and i really appreciate them and i think that's what the sport needs uh 
especially because you can't get to the AFT level very easily. And, uh, man, I, I, I just, I can't give one of them a bad rap, but they, they all deserve a pat on the back. Every time you see them, pat them on the back and thank them. Absolutely. That's what well, I, I want to thank. All right. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you for raising me the way you did, uh, to have respect thankfulness and to uh to be a decent human being and and i really really appreciate it dad i uh, know i love you too son but uh hell i'm even starting to like carter <laughs> 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 i think it's an awesome deal you know now you got numerous copycat podcasts the one thing i miss more than anything in the world is your uh pit walk and yeah it uh you know that was uh you get carter was smart enough to talk you into that first time and and uh now look at the world you know the a year later the sprint car you know world of outlaws do a pit walk you know doing a pit walk now but it all started with chris carter and putting his head together with scotty and making it happen and i miss it a lot and i know other people do uh i wish it could happen well, it's it's in my contract actually this year that it's I'm supposed to do it. So uh, it just didn't happen at Volusia. I think they're still a little bit leery about the COVID and the virus and the masks. And now we got big time sponsors. We don't want to upset and stuff like that. But it is in my contract. We're trying to find a way to make it come back. Uh, it was a cool thing. It is a cool thing walking around through the pits and just getting the riders before they put their race face on and getting to know the riders a little bit. It's been such a good thing. So I, I agree with you and. It was Carter's brainchild, and, and I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, appreciate it, Scott. I, I, I would like to see it happen. I'll do my best. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, have a good night, and uh, we really appreciate it. You bet. Keep turning left. I know I say this after every episode, and you can probably guess what I'm going to say. But I'm That's not, your new favorite episode. <laughs> uh, it's tied with my favorite. Ooh. You know what my other favorite is? Graham. <laughs> yep. That you was know a good who one. else is up there still? You know who else is up there still? What? Who? One of my tops is Jordan Graham. Oh, the other Graham. Yes. The other Graham. You yeah. seen what that dude's been up to? Crushing it, doing He's all kinds of crazy place. shit. He Love was it. jumping a seventy-foot jump on a triumph like a hundred feet it, no, was, no, it was a ducati it was a, it ducati, was a ducati not a triumph ducati yeah ducati yeah ducati. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's a big ducati guy these days um Crazy. good stuff it's amazing i, I was just an effing legend i sent it to him when i saw that it was it's so good um right yeah man that was that was a doozy that was good stuff um i could literally listen to you guys bench race all day every day for like we, a de- month. <laughs> we definitely could keep you entertained i mean it's if not talking to him and been interested with him graham's got to be right up there for me too because we can talk about stuff and i I give graham a race report usually after every national depending on the time zone difference and stuff like that because she sees things from a little bit different perspective than i do sometimes and you know she's watching on one monitor i'm watching it through a glass through a monitor i got people talking in my ear i got brad baker sitting over here i'm trying to listen to what he's saying yeah so sometimes i miss things Yep. You know, and and maybe it's just sometimes she catches things that I don't see, or uh, or maybe I saw it and it just didn't register. But Graham's on top of it. Yeah. You know, uh, she's awesome to go bench racing with. Graham was our Burt Sumner for this episode. 
Yeah, yeah. It. She's our statistician. <laughs> she gave us the notes. I love it. I love it. See, now you're giving away all my secrets, but uh, Bert does give me some some stats. Well, he Graham gave us for last some... week, right? For Kevin Varnes. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. always and, helpful uh, a couple for weeks some of ago. things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for and... Hank Scott. Some of the, some of the older writers... Uh, yep. Like Hank Scott, Ronnie Jones. I knew a lot of stuff about Ronnie because we're really good friends. But you know, the, some of the people, Hank Scott, I had no idea that some of the questions to ask and, yeah. and some of the records he broke and has still to this day. So Bert's the man, but Graham, Graham's right on top of it. I love it, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, uh, I think we got to get Paul on at some point. You think he'll do it? I think we need to. Yeah. I think I think it'd be good. I think I think that might have to be maybe a sit down conversation with him, maybe while you're here. Ooh. And and we we could record that live, I think, or maybe we could do something live. I don't know. Or maybe awesome. maybe just maybe just a sit down with me, you and him. Uh, yeah, I'd have to definitely get my notes ready for that one too. So I think uh, well we'll that, have to we'll have to phone in phone in Graham for those notes for sure. Um, but yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. Dude, I love I love this one. I think people are really going to dig this one. It gives people a little bit of insight about who you are since you don't like to talk about that that much. So I love that's I think that's why I like it so much, but I don't know. I say that every episode. Yeah. Well, I, I, I I tried I tried not to talk about me and my racing with my dad because I want I wanted people to know about his racing career and about his stories and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, we could we could went on and on about the races that I went to. Um, the one thing that I thought he was going to say, I think when I asked him what he's most proud of, or uh, of, of me or like my racing or something like that, um, motocross. You know, uh, he didn't like me motocrossing, but we went down to Lake Whitney to an outdoor. It was an amateur national. The, the, the gate had either 42 or 44 spots in it. It was that big, that wide. So we got 42 of the best riders in the country, and I whole shot at the damn thing and uh, got past, got got through the turn, let into the first turn, and uh, missed a gear going into the whoops, fell back to fourth. But I ended up with like a, a second and a third or a second and a second or something like that. I got second overall somehow. I don't know. I can't. Maybe it was a first and a fourth or something. I can't remember. But and that's when he said, uh, like, got... this, he's, "That's when he's like, this kid's getting too good at moto. I got to get him in flat track <laughs> before he falls in love with moto." <laughs> no, no, we stayed in moto for a few years after that too, because that was when I was a beginner, I think. And and he still he still talks about that story. But uh, the, my last motocross, I made it all the way up to the B class, which is intermediate. Next steps going pro. We're out at 59th and Douglas, the track that used to be here. And they ran the intermediates with the pros because there's usually not a lot of pros or intermediates at a local race. And I'm second overall behind one pro. I'm ahead of some other pros. And I came out of a corner. I was railing the corner as, as good as I could and hit this double. And it kicked me up, 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 up and over the handlebars. And I landed like head first and shoulder first. Broke this collarbone in a couple spots and uh, broke five ribs and <laughs> laying in the hospital. I think maybe I was laying on the ground. I Maybe I was in the ambulance. I don't even know. We, we're too tough to take ambulances. We're, I'm probably in the van. And my dad's going, well, you want to try flat track? <laughs> <laughs> not how you feeling. Not how you doing. But, uh, hey, uh, you ready to try some flat track? <laughs> yeah, Dad. Just give me a couple of months to heal up. <laughs> anyway, anyways. Uh, yeah, that's my last motocross race. He obviously wanted that from the get. He wanted oh, yeah, you. Yeah, flat but track. You, you know what? You know what? My parents, and I include my mom in this too, because they never pushed me to try anything 
or do anything that I didn't want to do, like I wasn't comfortable with. Like I tried baseball because they asked me to, but you know, I tried go-karts when I, I raced go-karts for a little while. I, I rode, I rode motorcycles since I was four or five, but I never really wanted to race until later on in life. And, uh, I think I raced, raced across country when I was a little kid, but when I got down to Oklahoma, uh, started getting more confidence in things, but I raced BMX first and then motocross. And then, uh, like, like we just said, broke enough bones and, went to the hospital enough times that's like oh let's go try some flat track and uh man it was it was that moment on so i started i started my flat track career late in life and and i'm sorry dad for making you go through those motocross years but <laughs> man there's nothing like jumping a triple or even a double when you see the face of the jump which you can't stroke you know land and you're hitting this jump wide open on a two-stroke uh, it's it's an adrenaline rush for sure so i guess i'm an adrenaline junkie but uh, like my dad said, the speed, the the feeling you get with flat track, it's a different feeling, but you can't match it. Well, and I didn't even know, like, I knew you had a love for two wheels, and I knew that you appreciated any racer, uh, mm-hmm. but until we went to uh, Redbud last year, and we're standing, oh. and I'm watching you watch those guys, like, I realize how much you dig that. It's not just Dude. flat track that you have that crazy passion for. Yeah, you do I, love I, some I got goosebumps like, I got some goosebumps right now just because I know how slow or how fast I was at motocross. And I know when, when the pros go out there and they're going that fast for that long, you have to appreciate it. Uh, Supercross is a whole nother animal because you have to, you have to be more, you have to be smoother. You have to hit the jumps, right? But outdoor moto you have to roll with every little thing and the track changes lap after lap and these guys are just riding wide open for 45 minutes or whatever uh man those those are to me those are the best best athletes in the world hands down no hands down no doubt it's it's pretty insane uh what they're able to do week in and week out and, for those events and, and and maybe i appreciate it more because i did i tried it for a while and, and i know what it takes yeah. you know i don't think i ever raced more than you know five laps at a motocross which is maybe you know only 10 minutes you know or somewhere like that i mean i did some arena cross too which is more intense more laps but and on, on an outdoor track i can't imagine going 45 minutes and they do it every week when the outdoor season starts and they're just animals what did he call what did your dad call him Mud daubers. I've never heard that. I don't know. And I work, I work in Promoto. Why? Probably because yeah. the people uh, out there don't call it daubers. Probably, probably not. But yeah, so that's what. Yeah, flat trackers <laughs> call the mud daubers, and motocrossers probably called us. I was gonna like, say, what do motocrossers call us? Circle jerk. I say us like I'm know. a flat tracker. I'm not. I'm not a flat tracker. But I feel I'm not like a real motorcycle riser. I just race flat track. I just may, go around in circles. Maybe that's what I'll. Well, when I go interview uh, outdoor motocross peeps this summer, that's what I'll ask them. I hear flat trackers call you guys mud dabbers. What do you call flat trackers? <laughs> I'll Sissies. do it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> sissies. Sissies. Only turn I don't think there's any motocross folks calling flat trackers sissies. Well. If they do, welcome them, welcome them on out to a flat track yeah, and uh, that's what they, I'm saying. They get your pro card and line them up. Yeah. No, and I've even like I've talked to you know Chambers tried a little bit of flat track and he's all yeah. moto like and and I was talking to him about it, he's like dude that shit's no joke flat track like and that's crazy because yeah. of what you just said right they're they're the craziest right. best like most insane physically fit athletes in the world but they mm-hmm. they look at a flat tracker and say 
those guys are crazy. <laughs> so like yeah. that's exactly that's insane. It's it's just it you know the people that love motorcycles and that, that have tried it understand it and yeah. until you do, you don't get it. Like it it's a it, it's a simple sport, but yet it isn't. You know you're going fast, you're turning left, but there's so much more to it. So uh, when you try it, you get the appreciation. My favorite part and the reason that I think that this is my favorite is because I figured out who the hell's going to teach me how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Fast Eddie. I do like Night. everybody else. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But then this person asked me, but then this person asked me and I asked this person later, like, but then when Fast Eddie said he wants to teach me, <laughs> Travis Pastrana could call me tomorrow and be like, I'm going to teach you how to ride a motorcycle. I'll be like, I got this. I'm good. You know, dad, <laughs> dad, is good at teaching people. He has patience, and I, you know he taught me obviously. And Graham and Pa were there too. But um, we learned at the house. Dad was talking about in the in the podcast. But um, he's taught so many people how to ride, and he he knows what steps to walk you through and to take your time and stuff like that. And don't rush into it. He's he's a very good teacher. I've I've taught a few people. My uh, old stepson. I taught him how to do it, um, and a couple others. You know, but. You just have to. Yes, actually, I taught my ex-wife how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> I forgot about that. I did. There's she, a story she, there, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a good story. So <laughs> we'll leave that one for another time. But you know, it, he he'll teach you how to do it. He'll teach you the right way. I'm looking forward to it. I just got to figure out how to get out of the motocross event that I'm uh, doing that same weekend as OKC Mile. So we'll figure that out. Right do it. All right, man. Well, I got a busy weekend of monster trucks. You got a busy weekend of going to Virginia. I hope all of our listeners and followers are uh, enjoying our podcast, and I hope they enjoyed hearing a little bit uh, more background of, about my story and uh, got to know who Fast Eddie is. Fast Eddie is uh, one of a kind, and like I said, and Graham said, he's got the biggest heart of anybody, and he'll do anything to help out anybody in the pits, and uh, I know he misses going to the pits. Uh, that's why he didn't go to Daytona, because he says, I don't want to sit in the grandstands. I want to go in the pits and help out or you know, be a part of it. And so he, he elected to stay home this year, but uh, it's killing him. He cannot wait to get back to a racetrack. So I didn't bring that up because that's a sore subject with him. <laughs> uh, but I know, I know he wants to be at the racetrack. So uh, I just want to say thanks to my dad for coming on, being a sport. And uh, I know he doesn't like talking about himself. So I uh, hope he enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you fans enjoyed it too and our listeners. So uh, that's all I got, Carter. Have a good weekend. Have fun in Virginia. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, man. See ya. Peace. Later. Going to hang up before I can jump on and tell you that's my new favorite episode. Oh, shut up! You say that about everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like wowza. You're right. I do say that everyone because everyone is my new favorite. Every time we have a new one, but this one, yeah, man, I'm this... surprised you don't have a different girl every week. <laughs> 
Well, when you yeah. find one that can't be topped, you know. The only reason she's still with you is because she ain't seen me yet. You're damn right. <laughs> You're damn right. I love it.